welcome back to another episode of the Aquatic Mentors podcast. I'm your host Katrina Van Eyck and today we're going to be talking to Julianne James. Julianne is a swimming industry pioneer and the founder of Aqua Babies Global. With her background in competitive swimming, she researched and set up the Aqua Babies brand, which is based on structured sensory baby, toddler and family swimming lessons. She's been at the forefront of the development of many well-known international companies in the swimming industry and is respected worldwide as the authority on educational swimming. As an Aqua consultant, Julianne and her team work with companies to find solutions to increase their pool timetable by introducing new initiative concepts and offering staff training to shape their creative leadership. Julianne is a global guest speaker and has spoken on TV about her work around the health benefits of swimming for parent and child and the benefits of aquatherapy for mental health and postnatal depression. She is also a promoter of the Aqua Fitness Revolution, working alongside Aqua Training Portugal. Julianne has a lot of industry experience and it was great to be able to catch up with her and find out a little bit more about her background or what she's done in the industry and her new venture, which she's looking forward to promoting around Australia. So I hope you enjoy the episode and we'll jump straight in with Julianne James. So, Julianne, how did you start your journey in swimming? Very big question. I was a competitive swimmer and started swimming. I was a competitive swimmer from four to 12. So, but before that, my real first experience was at the time they wanted to discover baby swimming. My father and several other men decided they were going to do an experiment with baby swimming. And that, the local press was there and my mother was sitting there with, pregnant with my brother, ready to watch a, you know, an experiment with baby swimming. The four men stood on the side of the pool, lifted their arms and dropped the babies into the deep end. That was it. They then had to jump in, retrieve the child and get out with the child. So some people say that could be why I'm a little bit doolally, but that's not the truth. But that was the way they initiated baby swimming. Let's have an experiment. Do babies float? Literally stood there, lifted their arms and dropped the babies into the deep end. So thank goodness things had come a long way from then. That I wouldn't say that's my first experience of being dunked, but my baby's my, my swimming experience was then went on to be a competitive swimmer. I was even one of the little Royal Life Saving Society. You know, they did the first aid courses for the young little nippers. So you know, from the age of four up to twelve, I was a competitive swimmer, and and also with the Royal Life Saving Society as soon as the first course was available. So my history is long. Wow, that's amazing. And then from there, did it, any aquatics part come into your career as you developed or in your high school years? I was lucky to have the coach Dick Kane when I was in my first year of high school. I was still with Dick Kane, who was a very good coach, Coach Michelle Ford. So I then started volunteering to help the coaches rather than being a, a swimmer. So I had a lot of volunteering work there. And then I volunteered to work with blind and disabled. So I learned a lot about aquatics and getting them to listen through touch. It was fascinating, you know, to learn how much you can give, you know, because people with disabilities are very sensitive in the water and there's so many health benefits. And I learned that from a young age. So it really wanted me to explore more. 
I left school and then worked in a bank and still got a job at a wet water park and then volunteered as a surf lifesaving. So no matter what career I took, I still had swimming or lifesaving in the background. I was very lucky, really. That's great. And it's amazing. I've heard that a lot of people who have started swimming young and whether it be competitive or just recreational swimming, and it's just stayed with them throughout and they've done other activities, they've done other careers and it's always involved in some way. Yeah, because I did a lot with the surf life saving too, I was a little bit of a, a bit of a rogue because at those days they didn't want women in the club, which made me even more, you know, wanting to be into the club. So there was a, a gentleman called Jeff Foreman in Corumban Surf Club and he was very knowledgeable and really was passionate about developing surf programs. So he gave me a, well, put me onto a guru who taught me a lot about the surf. Uh, for example, he'd take me to Elephant Rock at Corumban Surf Life Saving and we'd watch the currents and the wind and how the water forms and what impact that would have as a rescuer or as a person swimming in the surf, really. So I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the properties of water, which is quite important as a teacher. So again, that, I've become addicted to learning more and more and more and doing more volunteering and maintaining a job while working on the weekends researching. Then I decided to go back into disability and, and started doing child psychology. But I couldn't apply the textbook to the actual fact. The child wasn't relating really like the textbook, especially in an aquatic environment. So I left Australia on a two-week holiday and I didn't come back for nine years. <laughs> I, I kept travelling and researching and I had a book about baby swimming. So I went to Indonesia and I watched the way they taught the children. Or, or basically, they didn't teach the children. They'd be doing the washing in the rivers and they put the children in the sling and the babies would just bounce around in the sling and not have any... We weren't frightened. Their experience for the aquatic environment started from a young age. So I took that experience and I went to another country and another country. Just kept researching as much as I could. Nine years. Nine years of researching and travelling. Before the internet, just writing notes attending seminars for professors in Switzerland. Yes, my knowledge just become vast. Wow, that's amazing. And to be dedicated enough to put all of that work in and just take the time to learn and research and travel, how amazing would that have been? Yeah, well, when I arrived in the UK, I arrived as a backpacker and I used to cycle between three pools um, in Bayswater and to different areas of London. And I went from three pools to 40 pools in three years on my own as a backpacker who had no intention of staying in England whatsoever. So I had a lot of press, you know, for example, I taught Tony Blair, the prime minister's children. I taught Ruby Wax and Jack D and lots of celebrities and footballers, children. And, and so I just had a lot of TV coverage. Then I was on London today and London tonight, a lady called Annika Rice had a show called Cap of the Woman. So she did a whole series about me. I just couldn't believe what was happening. You know, here I'm a little backpacker with a pretend mobile phone thinking, pretending I had an office. <laughs> and I, I expanded from three pools to 40 pools in three years. Wow. On my, my own before the internet. And it was, I just got more people that would help me and assist me. And yeah, my empire began. That's amazing. Oh, I really want to, that's inspirational. I'd love to do that. That's great. No intention of staying in the UK and then I only, I'm only relocating now after 33 years. So that was the beginning of my journey. Wow. An amazing journey, amazing background and we're lucky to have you back in Australia to be able to learn from. So proud of being Australian. When I do go around the world, I really let everyone know that people say, are you English? 
no, definitely not. I'm Australian. Not, not there's anything wrong with the English, of course, but I am a proud Australian and I'm lucky, really. I'm lucky to be able to share my knowledge around the world. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's blown me away, man. That's something I would inspire to be able to do. So thanks for sharing it. I was all on my own, but I just had the drive, I suppose. Yeah, and the need, I think, also, and the determination to be able to stick yourself out and do that stuff. Necessity is a big thing and reflection is a big thing. I mean, I, I found out I couldn't have children. So my passion was to put that information into children. And so I started researching reflexes and responses and how that's involved in an aquatic environment. And then my experience of working with disabilities, I created a curriculum that was through touch and listening and, and just based on teaching the parents knowledge as well as not just the physical side, but why the children are reacting that way. Why don't they like lying on their back? Well, they've got a reflex called a riding reflex. It makes them want to sit up, change the position so they feel comfortable. So it was all about learning to create a curriculum where we can educate for many reasons. Yeah. And I did it. Well done. And I love that because that's something for me, being here in the country, and a lot of our pools are only seasonal pools. So we only open from November till March, mid-March. And for me, it's about teaching those families because where we are, we've got a lot of families that go to Bali for holidays. Well, they did. Um, or they go down to the beach and they're taking their kids in. They maybe go once a year, they're taking them into the surf, you know, or even just to other pools and they've got no idea. And I think for that short time, for me, it's about teaching the family and the parents on how they can encourage and teach their kids as well because they're the ones that are going to be taking them to these places and developing them and pushing them. And I've only got them for a short time and I need to pass that knowledge on. I think for us in the country, that's something that you need to empower the families and the parents, not just the kids. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I don't think the classes should, you know, I mean, I'm, I teach all age groups, but I'm a special, well, considered to be a specialist in baby swimming because I've done it. I've been teaching for, over 30 years and researched and expanded to so many countries. But I agree with you. Education is so important. It's not about the nursery rhymes and the gazing toys, although that must be part of the curriculum. It has to be a balance of structure and non-structure, nursery rhymes, activities and games. But it has to also have the foundations of swimming and education, safety, safety, safety is primary. You know, as you say, it's no use knowing how to go to the pool and then going to the beach and going under a wave and not knowing how to react. You know, it's... I'm an old surf lifesaver, so prevention's the key. You know, we've got to teach them how to acknowledge the safety is priority. You know? Yep, and that's right. Yeah, and prevention is the key because it's easier to prevent it than have to deal with it when it's actually happening. Yeah, if you don't get the exposure to it. I mean, we've got rivers here, and I know families, local families, they will go to the river and they will, especially when the kids, older boys, when they get to 18, 19, they'll go and drink at the river. And mm -hmm. I just think, you know, their brothers and sisters are seeing that stuff. Their parents have done it before. It's an ongoing cycle that we need to break, but we need to give them that preventative measure when they're young to start understanding that impact of what can happen. So true, because we still have a high rate of drownings. You know, that's the fact, you know. So yep. we need to... be. That's where the future lies is more education, you know, in, in, in corporate education, teach verbal teaching points that are taught in a light way in between the activities. We can provide education. Mm, that's it. Yep. And that's what we're there for. So I really like that. Well done. And it's amazing 
to be able to hear what you've done and experience it. And I think that's going to be great for Australia now that you're back to be able to take that knowledge on board and learn from you and your experiences. Yeah, well, I originally was an Austin teacher and then I became a tutor for the SDA, the UK governing body, and I took their qualification to 16 countries. So I also expanded my franchise empire to 16 countries, now trading in 10. But it wasn't really about money. It was about passion. You know, I, I grew organically. And admittedly, I could have been a much better businesswoman, but I have now come back and I'm an ASTA presenter. And so I have qualified coaches in, uh, I think, five countries in the last two years. Not great numbers, but, you know, I really believe in growing the Australian brand. We are true pioneers in quality swimming programs. Yeah. Very, very true. And that's it. We need to show our colours and we need to put them out there. And I think ASTA's going a long way to that. Going through COVID is just incredible, you know. Yeah. Just incredible. The amount of seminars and webinars and free resources and support has just been incredible. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, they've done very, very well. And it's just showing how elite they are and how much respect they've got for the industry because they've been able to do that. All your experience and everything that you've done in swimming so far, there's a lot more to go. What's the biggest lesson you've learned or is there a number of lessons? I think as a teacher, it's really important to absorb knowledge, but be adaptable. You know, I didn't trust my intuition and I didn't have enough confidence in what I did. So my biggest mistake in business and teaching was trusting the wrong people rather than believing in myself. And the only way you believe in yourself is to have knowledge. But, you know, you can do lots of courses and not criticise those courses because everyone has an entitlement to believe that their, their technique is true. But take little bits from lots of different techniques. Like I studied with sensory and there's lots of courses out there for sensory. But some of that may not be adaptable to Australian because the parents want quicker, better results. But we can adapt the sensory with a combination of learn by playing, with a combination of structure. You know, it has to be a collective bunch of knowledge. And then you're confident. And then with confidence, you become more passionate. But our job is to really provide an education that's important. We all know it's a skill for life, but we need to deliver that in a knowledgeable way. So my true problem, I suppose, was not trusting my ability to learn. I just learn, learn and keep learning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think I know exactly how you feel because that's something I do suffer with is not suffer. It's probably the wrong word, but I don't have the confidence in myself. I'm now developing that myself. And I think that's something that we probably all have a little bit of, and especially women, to be able to know that what we do know is right, we can still learn and we, we just got to get in and experience it and give it a go. And again, congratulations to you. You know, in a time like this, you've decided to do a podcast, which, you know, is making a difference. So congratulations, Katrina. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad. And that's the thing. I hope it gives other people the confidence and the, the knowledge to be able to be able to stand up and say, look, I know what I can do. And just do it because that's what we need. We There's people out there with that. Yeah. I, think, like, I have been criticising. I think people think that because I've got such a big global expansion that I have an ego, but I don't at all. You know, it was all organic. I grew without any true business plan, although now I do have a business plan. Now I am more knowledgeable in business. 
you have to be careful in business not to expand too quickly and, and be happy with a small identity can work as well. Um, but again, it's have a trustworthy team. You've got to have a team that likes to teach. <laughs> you know, it's no use employing someone because they need, we all need a job, but having someone that really cares makes a difference too. Having the right team behind you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was chatting to a girl yesterday about it. It's the team that works for you. So you look for people that have got skills in your weak areas and it's not just about you being the leader of it. It's about pushing others through and shine the light on their skills as well and how they can help you. Then you can build a big, the team together and it's not just about you standing out in front. Yeah, of course. I think it's really important to support your staff. If you're an employer, your team is important to you. You've, you must care about them too. You can't just expect them to care. It must be, you know, feedback is important. Communication is the key. You know, it, I really truly believe that, you know, if you have a good team and you you give your best, then they'll hopefully do that in return. Yeah, yeah, perfect. That's right. So out of everything that you've done so far, and there's a lot there, do you have a highlight or a couple of highlights that have really stood out? Yeah, it's a bit of a tricky question because I am proud to be Australian, but so I was proud to actually be invited to open the first structured baby swim school in China. Now, I know there's a lot of animosity about China and business, but we have a lot of foreigners who have a high drowning rate here. So education from a young age to me is what's important as well. And believe it or not, baby swimming does provide so many different aspects of knowledge for the parents about safety and and letting them know the importance of a life skill. So when I was invited to go to China for the first baby, structured baby swim to school, because before they were wearing neck rings and they had a totally misconception about swimming. So in 2009, I went to, to open a school there. And now I go back every year as a consultant. But it has gone a bit crazy there. For example, one company opened 100 baby swim schools last year and had no idea how to teach them. The key to that was providing education based on structure, non-structure, and how the importance of listening to the child as well as in educating the parent that was an experience a very big experience so I wasn't quite ready for it but it it was unique and I was proud to do that that's amazing I've never actually thought of it like that in regard and my husband and I were talking the other day with the drowning rate and trying to get it down to zero and I mean a lot of our cases over summer for drowning are overseas visitors that go to the beaches because our beaches are known around the world Bondi Beach all those sort of ones and they do drown because they don't have that experience and I've never really thought about it being like you said to go overseas and be able to teach the water safety from there so when they do tour and when they do get older they've got a bit more understanding of it. Yeah, I really truly believe that education can start from a very young age. You know, even the benefits of baby swimming, the health benefits, you know, simple, better eating and sleeping patterns. But for me, a baby swimming class is, is letting the parents know in between, you know, it's so important to get them to have safety techniques, you know, how to turn around and hold on as soon as they're physically able. Managing the expectations of parents is very important too. You know, in China, they want them to be doing butterfly before they're six months. <laughs> Not in general. I can't say that in general. I mean, I'm very, they're very passionate about learning and they're very looking at Australia now to a lot of our experts of going over there to give advice on safety. And I think it's important that we all work together as, as a human race, not competitive countries, to provide aquatic education. Yeah, uh, well said. You know, it's about saving people. It's about stopping the drowning worldwide, putting it out there. 
and it is about education to be able to offer that worldwide is you know it's going to benefit everyone yeah that's it so you know we shouldn't be against each other's people we you know we have a common cause safety safety education and getting our little swimmers to swim and be happy to do so there's a difference from having a regimented class to a class that's a little bit comical you know the play train has been studied and researched for many years the aspects of com a combination of both does work you know it's important to engage with the child as, as a child but also giving them the foundations at the same time yeah so was there anyone that played a big role in your swimming journey would be a mentor or a family member or someone that encouraged you along well, like many, Dawn Fraser, I just idolised her. But when I went to London, I met a Rastafarian who had long hair and he was a swimming teacher at the swimming pool and he was so comical. He went on to create a comic called Rasta Mouse, actually. But he was a swimming teacher who was so... And he was so comical and he taught, let's be lighthearted. The children loved him. And another teacher called uh, Mark Mia, when you taught in London, you had, I think at the time... Some community schools were 80% foreign and never, never seen a swimming pool before. So I had to learn how to deal with mass teaching of all different cultures and to get them to calm down and teach them the basics. It was really challenging because in Australia, you know, we, we have a really strong curriculum um, and learning how to adapt that curriculum under a different country was a challenge, but yeah, I, was, I embraced it. So they were my inspirations. Taught me how to laugh a lot. Go underwater and laugh. You know, have some fun while you're teaching. You know, your elbow can become a shark fin. <laughs> yeah. Your hand snapping is a crocodile's mouth. You know, just use your imagination. Be creative. You know? yeah. And that's what we want to teach kids. We want to teach them to be creative and have fun and enjoy it because, you know, that's how they're going to stay in swimming. So, yeah, I think that's a, a great place to start and to experience it is great even putting a little bit of magic into your lessons for example you know to get the leg propulsion and rockets is quite a good exercise where the children hands are together and you get them to learn the power of the legs from propulsion but making the rock the rocket hands into having sticky glue and stick your hands together let's make a rocket where you can't you know that gives them something to use their imagination they really are and it teaches them different parts of learning you know so we can we can have fun yeah Just lighten up <laughs> yeah that's it. it doesn't have to be strict and the Rust and Mouse cartoon, it was here in Australia uh, about last year or the year before. My kids used to watch it. It's so cool. He, the he was a swimming teacher to start with. I didn't realise it was in Australia because I was overseas at the time. Um, and I never knew that. Oh, congratulations. Michael D'Souza, a very good friend of mine. And he, he was just so comical. You know, it was just so much fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, great. No, it's good. Our kids loved it. And I used to love it too. <laughs> We'd come out talking like rust phones. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you give to new swim teachers and coaches coming out now and, and training? I think your resources, absorb information from various means, you know, and try and think a little bit out of the box, you know, like we can do a course and not agree with it, but there must be some element in that course where you're going to benefit from. If a course is delivered by an expert, there has to be some benefit from that, trust in that knowledge and you know learn by that knowledge you've got so many different courses and cpds you can do now it's important to continuously i know it's sometimes expensive but if you allow in a budget information you'll learn to grow through that information and that's the information you can pass on and at the moment you know as i say you've had all these supportive free pd courses and everything at the moment it's, it's time to learn 
Yeah. And I think we need to evolve. I think a lot of people are so regimented in their, their concept is their way or no way. But realistically, other concepts do work for a reason. You can combine knowledges. We're all good at what we do. We're all good at passionate. But, you know, give, give someone else a benefit of the doubt as well. Yeah, and that's really well said. And I like the fact, I mean, with Asta, there's a lot of it can be conceptualised for your facility. So where we are in the country is totally different to a pool in Melbourne or a pool in Sydney or Queensland. And I think that's what I really like is that you can train and we help you understand things for your facility and how it works. But there's also that base knowledge of, okay, this is what aquatics needs to be, to be up to standard and to be right. My mentor, Joanne Love, I go to a lot of her lectures and her stuff. And I feel like a stalker sometimes with her stuff. But every, every time I listen to her talk, I find something new in what she says and learn something. She's an inspirational woman, definitely. I went to her swimming pool to do a paddle workshop and the dedication and the expertise that she has is just incredible but you know she works her team is behind her and she really looks after her team she really cares you know i think Asta's full of a team of professionals simon watkins who's originally welsh he's in Lismore. he's really passionate about rural swimming he's really passionate about education um you know debbie Totola. they're just a bunch of professionals who do care and and, and you know really care about sharing their knowledge so you know an utmost awe of all of them actually that's fantastic. I'm good way. And I'm working on uh, getting a podcast interview with Simon. So that's great. And I'll have to work on Debbie now as well. Olympic coach, Olympic swimmer. She's, he's just in, he's just a really a wonderful dad. Loves his family so much as well. But, you know, he's just proud to be here in Australia and he's got a great background. Yeah, yeah, he does. And I can't wait to learn more about it. I'll, I'll let them know that they've been recommended and they must do it. Yeah. <laughs> experts that's for sure <laughs> so for you what does swimming look like in the future i hope and i hope people don't take this the wrong way i hope we do consider lowering the age of baby swimming a little bit only because the fact is that when i left australia in 89 i had a paper from griffith university that showed that babies can swim from birth now the reason for that is not anything other than health benefits you know, to help them to breathe, to help open the lung capacity. It doesn't have to be a swimming lesson as per se. It could be just the benefits of bonding in the water with your child. There are so many health benefits, you know, like this, there's recent educational papers that were taken overseas. But I have been informed by some of the associates in the swimming governing bodies. We have to have foundation up-to-date research to prove that babies can go swimming. But as I said, I travel with that information and now we have the governing body's conflicting whether it's four months or three months. And even lovely Laurie, Laurie, he says, yes, they can do homework in the bath. I do believe that we can adapt that to a swimming pool in order to help the babies grow that bonding experience that parents need. You know, it doesn't have to be a competitive model. It could be based on touch, strengthening, a series of very gentle exercises, just an early education. And just developing it more and, yeah, bringing it in earlier for both family and child. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, I think the swimming will come back strong. There was a lot of people out there that do need a bit of hope and faith because, you know, they're, they're financially being impacted, they're emotionally being impacted, and it's a very hard time for all of us. So I'm one of those people who's about to start my own venture. But I have to remain positive because this pandemic will finish and we will come back. Swimming is a life skill. 
I think we have been penalised a little bit more than the other sports, whereas you're allowed to play football, but you can't go swimming. <laughs> but but in, in saying that, we will come back strong. We're resilient. We're strong. We have a life skill that we're passionate about. But we're also lucky to be able to teach this. We're blessed to be able to be involved in such a sport where we can give so much back to the parents and children. We have to have faith. We will go back as, and we will be stronger. That was another reason why starting this podcast was big for me because swimming had dropped off. All sports had lower participation levels, especially out here in the country. And I wanted to be able to bring swimming back and just sort of go, boom, we're here, we're marvellous, and show people what swimming has to offer and come out bigger and better than what we went into COVID. So hopefully that's something that is being developed and being put out there with everything that everyone's doing and the learning and what's being offered yeah no you know i think as you're right we're all in different circumstances and especially in the rural areas it's really important to have an extra curriculum for the children but you know without this the children want to go back i can understand why the parents are some of them are a little bit worried but the statistics and the surveys show that they want to come back you know whether we have to eventually start with social distancing we have to apply certain safety precautions we will have to do that but in time i think that will ease with the statistics going down. You know, we're lucky to be in here in Australia. We haven't had a, a huge, well, we have had some impact, but we need just to hope and faith is my two favourite words at the moment. <laughs> I like that. They fit really well. So this leads really nicely into my last question. How do we as individuals and an industry promote and develop swimming so that we can succeed and build participation numbers, but without having so much government funding or funding behind us? Yeah, I do feel that we've been let down a little bit by the government. The governing body has been trying really hard to lift the regulations for swimming, but, you know, that's been happening gradually. So, again, I think moving forward, we, I hate to say this, but it's a fact, social media, we have, there's so many different social media platforms where we can work as teams and feedback is important, whether it be negative or positive, and growing teamwork. We know we all swim together has been a great campaign and we have proven that we can work together and we need to just remain respectful. Funding is difficult. Social media is accessible and it's a way to grow your community. You have to have the right strategies and you have to have, make sure it's a balance between not all promoting business. It's got to be about promoting the health and well-being as well. So it should be a combination, a strategy, whereas you use your social media to benefit you and your parents and your community. Have a combination in your strategy. I really like that. And that's it. It's about bringing everyone together and using the social media. I think we've got to put ourselves out there and just develop it and put the right things out there though. Yeah. It's all about aggressive sell. It should never be about that. That's not how you drive your business forward. You drive your business forward by learning what do the parents want. You know, for example, in the COVID, we made recipes that parents could do at home with their children, you know, something of bonding and put that on our Facebook. Then we had some comical dogs swimming or animals swimming and then combine that with selling points. If you're using your Facebook and your Instagram, if it's all sell, sell, you know, it's, it can be, can't seem aggressive. We need to make it lighthearted again. And people are just going to turn off when they see sell, sell, sell. They're not going to want to take part. And we're here to educate families and swimmers. Yeah, and definitely. A lot, there's a lot of information on Asta we can use now on our social media. You can share that life skills, life saving, holding on, you know, all the different, you know, there's support there as well for that. Yep. And that's good. And that's the backing that we need. And 
like to be able to share that with all Aster swim schools, all Aster teachers, you've got that stuff. You don't have to have the graphic design to put it together for you. They offer it there and it's about just getting it out there and getting a message that's probably more standard with everyone, which I think would be good. That's a professional way of looking at it too. This is a professional governing body that's giving us assistance. You know, they really have supportive materials. We need to utilise that and work together as a team, you know, overall. Yep, that's brilliant. I love it. Oh, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us? Because we've come to the end of the questions. Well, just, you know, I think at the moment I'm remaining positive and I can't emphasise that point enough. You know, this pandemic will not be forever. It's, It's on its way out and we regulations are being lifted gradually which is the wise way in which to do so let's look forward to the future that's right yep and the future here comes swimming (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for coming on i've learned a lot as always and i think it's just amazing to be able to see what you've put into swimming and what you're still going to be putting into swimming as you develop your new enterprise can't wait to see what the next steps are and what's out there I agree. And again, congratulations to you for making a difference. Thank you.